0: Well, this is a bit of a delight because I haven't seen Janet Anscombe for a month and that's still just online. We haven't actually seen each other in person for nearly two years or is it a year and a half, Janet? This is Cleo up
1: yes. in by the way, one half of the cast. Ja- and this is Janet Anscombe and yeah, it's about a year and a half since we saw each other face to face and yeah, a month since we've seen each other even online because we've had stuff going on and it's been the summer and Everybody stops for August and we won't be resuming weekly podcasts quite yet because but we thought we'd just do one now because yeah. it's sort of halfway through the end of summer now isn't it and it's meteorological autumn starting in two days time I think and so we're going to do one podcast now and then resume later in the year. I
0: think. Yeah I, I mean I suddenly wondered I woke up yesterday morning and thought where's the summer gone? Suddenly yes. it's not the summer Kids are going back to school. I mean, kids have gone back to school in Scotland. Uh, they go back in Ireland today, I think, next week in the UK. Um, and it's like suddenly, oh, it's over.
1: <laughs> I know. I think this year it's been a bit different. Last year was obviously different because COVID was new to us all and everything was so newly disrupted. We hadn't got used to the disruption. The True. disruption hadn't become normalized. And now it has, the new normal. Um, I, I think we have we are used to things just gliding by that we haven't noticed that things are on hold this summer because all the usual markers haven't taken place this year we That's haven't true. had the carnival we didn't have um the no, passion, romarias. no romarias at all anywhere and over the last several days they've had the, the the wonderful huge Corazones de Tejina Tejina in the north of Tenerife has this fiesta as part of its annual Um, fiesta season where people make these enormous great hearts out of wood and fruit and flowers and bread and they parade them through the town and they're huge I mean they are four times the size of a human being they weigh about the size the weight of a car and people make three and then they have a competition as to which is the winner this year for the second time again that marker is not taking place (laughs) walk for life has just been announced for the second year now it's going to be virtual yeah and, and i was all say of to these markets join the adeje okay.
0: team i've already joined the adeje walk for life team if you go online com, people know i'm kind of attached to the group Um, you pay five euros so you're signed up and then you can kind of do what you like i mean you can organize a local walk a swim a cycle uh, game of hopscotch whatever but just and then like on the page you'll see what to do how you can film yourself upload videos you can join a team um and you know that is already here again and we won't have another walk for life but we will be able to do something online but like you say they are the annual markers that we kind of i suppose almost without thinking use to watch the year go by uh, and the only one i mean again here more than say back in the uk or in ireland or uh has been school because school i was just talking to some colleagues today and many of us thought when school went back last september Mm. that we'd be lucky if we got to christmas but i mean my kid didn't miss a single day because of covid throughout the the Mm. academic year Mm. because the the department of education organized themselves well and well in advance
1: schooling has been a major triumph in terms of the COVID outbreak i think after an initial uh, considerable initial disruption where people had to work out systems and measures and how yeah. the hell they were going to operate and with the assumption perhaps that children weren't going to be that manageable but they have been ultra manageable they have been more sensible than many adults Fact, oh, yes. They have understood what is required. They have, they are flexible enough to comply and used to following rules, I suppose. So the systems that were put in place yeah. have worked for them. And yeah. it's, it has been a, a significant triumph. And the World Health Organization, I think, or the United Nations, not sure, today calling for schools throughout Europe to be opened as a matter of priority, yeah. that these systems have to be in place because children... You know, one, one, one can debate the value of further education or higher education, but basic education is essential yeah, for yeah. everybody to be able to count, to be able to read, to be able to manage your money, all the basic things and the social skills the children pick up. They absolutely have to be able to do I was reading online, I
0: think it might have been in The Guardian, uh, about, you know, groups of children in India, for instance. So obviously we're talking about a country that wouldn't have the same access to online as well as in presence education where you know seven and eight year old girls and boys have forgotten how to read because they haven't been reading their hindu script for 18 months and they have literally forgotten how to read and write um which is part of you know the grounding of any
1: educational basis isn't it um i think it not only the grounding i i think it's a fundamental plank of how we retain as well as how we um create understanding and learning because mm. you you can put it into the context I suppose you could easily understand it if you think about how one learns a foreign language as an adult how we might have learned Spanish yeah. how difficult is it if you just go say for one hour a week conversational Spanish class one of these um groups where they try to teach you the language without any what they call nasty grammar which to me is the actual framework of a language but it, do this one hour a week and people 20 years in have learned nothing yeah. because, they, because their classes are actually just a social meeting and they don't learn. They and don't learn. we all understand that it's only by learning and constant practice, constant thinking until you're almost thinking in that language Absolutely. And where, you, um, and where you aren't doing a translation in your head, you're actually thinking of the words in that language when you want to say something. It's only if you do that constantly that you can retain it. Now, if we take that as a fact of our lives, of course it is true for children. They have yeah, to keep yeah. on using these skills, otherwise they will lose them. Yeah. And that's I, I even mean, for something as, big as counting and reading and writing. And and if they're grounding, if it hasn't been
0: grounded and, and rooted, then there's no basis for them to kind of advance. Um, so, I mean, one hopes exactly. that... I, I. And just to back... To get back to the main point we started with here, I, every country has made so many mistakes about COVID. I, I don't know if you can even call them mistakes. We've been playing catch up since the very beginning. But, but we've but learned I mean, as we've
1: gone on. And- yeah,
0: but the Canary, the regional Canarian Education Department, I think deserves a slap on the back because, I mean. In general, schools here, and more than in the peninsula, I think, stayed open. There were no, there was no school lockdown. There were a couple of small closures, bubbles, class bubbles. You know, kids sent home to quarantine. But in general, the education system did not shut down at all once it it went back to school last September, and that is That's incredible.
1: Right. It is incredible. I I've heard little other than brickbats shown at the canarian authorities over the last year actually people have criticized them unfairly and said they don't know what they're doing they have not a clue of course everybody is such an expert on facebook that they know exactly what should be done and how it should be done of course and how these politicians don't know anything and their motives are ascribed to them by people who haven't got the first idea about them yeah. and the fact is that the schools have stayed open The vaccinations have been given. We are, as a region, way up there in terms of the Spanish regions. I think we're about third in terms of vaccinations that have been dished out. And they've done a stunning job in the face of public compliance to a very high degree. The the problem has been the, the noisy, stupid minority that has refused to comply and try to cause problems. These, these people just haven't grown up. They're like the really unruly kids at the back of the class, aren't they? As, <laughs> uh, as teenagers, <laughs> they, they just don't want to behave and, and they're just being stupid and disruption is all they want to create. Yeah. And the fact that that endangers people, they don't care about that. But they are a minority. Compliance has been massive. Yes, it has, actually.
0: it has. And I mean, of course the government have made mistakes, like I said like no one has written the textbook on how to cope with the pandemic because the last one was a hundred years ago and things were very different when this flu that became known as the Spanish flu uh, and that last that was around for quite a few years and it had second and third and fourth waves and people were meant to wear masks and you know like a lot of that stuff was forgotten about
1: but it was in place and it did exist Um, and and there have been there have been pandemic plans talked about but in any of these there has always been a an area of uncertainty because you never know what the actual reality is going to be as these things unroll and as they unravel and you try some measure that doesn't work you have to try something else this isn't making mistakes or stupidity this is reacting in real time to an evolving situation trying to keep everybody safe Hmm. and i think they have done really quite a good job when you look at our overall figures They have. And one of the things we
0: have on our list to mention today, maybe you could explain this, is the problems that they've had with the Supreme Court. Because, I mean, if if you say, look, we're in level four still, Tenerife, for instance. Now, level four life, our life in level four certainly doesn't feel as restrictive as we thought it was going to be, because the rules have been fudged and grayed and blurred a little bit. Um, but then again, our figures are like we're under 200. We were at 800 three weeks ago. So, you know,
1: something's happening. Okay. Yeah, but the, there are several strands to that. First of right. all, the figures. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the figures are um, a red herring, really, because they had a huge um, testing program and that obviously inflated the figures because the more you test, the more you're going to find this of this course. doesn't mean this doesn't mean the figures are false. It doesn't mean they're fake or fraudulent. It doesn't mean that there is a conspiracy to inflate the numbers. It's just if you test, you get the results and they've been testing more. Therefore, they have got higher figures. This is inevitable and it is why they are saying as a government, as a health department, that case figures can't be used as the yardstick anymore. They are saying this openly, that what you have to take into account is not case figures now, but fatalities and hospitalizations and in particular intensive care cases. That is, it is those figures which form the basis of the majority of the placement in a level it is not the only consideration, but it is a major part of how they decide. And it is the reason the Tenerife remains in level four, while no other island is in level four. I think Gran Canaria, Fuerteventura are now three.
0: Yeah, Gran Canaria, Palma, t-
1: two, and, uh, But, all... but we remain in level four. And it's because of those sorts of figures to do with hospitalizations and active cases and... Um, numbers in intensive care and in Tenerife, those are concerning to such an extent that staff have had to be brought in from okay. from other islands so case numbers aren't really the issue but the problem with maintaining control and the reason that level four fields so light it's almost like level three light. Yes. It, yeah. It's easier than level three. And people have been mocking the government. Oh, they don't know how to impose. The problem has been that the measures that should be in place, according to the Canarian government, they want a curfew. They want um, no botay on is in, in the night. They, they want to stop people mixing and they want to limit groups and they want a COVID pass to get into certain types of environments. They have introduced these rules, unfortunately for them, there was no framework legal constitutional framework within which to impose those rules because they had been imposed as part of the national estado de alarma the state of emergency and when the national government lifted that the canarian government continued to try to impose its measures according to levels and that would have made level 4 very tough curfew okay covid pass 6 you know, p.m. closure of bars absolutely closure of bars groups of two or four maximum yeah none of those they were challenged in court and the court said no without the legal framework you can't have those measures in place and so what is happening as it happens right now it is midday 12 o'clock it's 4 minutes before 12 um, on Monday morning, and they have been meeting in Gran Canaria, the Canarian government's cabinet has been meeting in Gran Canaria, last Parliament, since half past ten this morning, to decide what measures should apply, in which levels, and what legal framework is necessary to make them unchallengeable. Okay. And that is going, because this is now being legislated, it has to be approved by the Canarian Parliament. That will be soon, but we are still currently in August and it'll take a week or so for for that to happen. But once that is legislated, the measures will be in place within a legal framework, a constitutionally valid legal framework that even the Canarian courts could not overthrow. Because so if somebody wanted to challenge these measures, whatever they will be, and we'll find out later today what they're likely to be, we'll know for certain once it's been approved by Parliament. But once those measures are in place, the only way they can be overthrown is the national okay. Supreme Court. Because I think people tend sometimes
0: to get confused by the different levels of, of of decision making that the autonomous regions have because you had curfews that were allowed to be imposed in other parts of Spain because their constitutional courts or their supreme courts allowed the government to pass those measures but the Canarian courts didn't and you know that has to be borne in mind as well that you know thanks thanks to the degree of autonomy we do have uh, the Canary Islands has been able to bring in certain measures that maybe gave us more freedoms, but it also meant that the Canary Ports were able to restrict the, the autonomous government or the regional government. So that needs to be borne in mind all the time when comparing, say, what's happening here to what's happening in Barcelona, what's
1: happening in Valencia. Absolutely. The, the regional governments have certain powers and they can enact legislation applicable to their regions within their constitutional limits which is why the canarian government can't for example stop international arrivals because a regional government does not control the external national boundaries of a country sure so the canarian government can't impose any rule that affects the boundaries, say of galicia or valencia Mm -hmm. and if you try to limit arrivals from britain or america or india or wherever you are closing a national boundary exactly and a regional government doesn't have that power but within the powers they have got um, once they've legislated that is something the courts can't it's logical that if a democratically elected government which is what we've got is elected and legislates mm-hmm. a law then obviously the judges can't throw out a law otherwise you haven't got a democratically elected government exactly
0: it makes a mockery of it
1: exactly okay. so we will find out later today what legislation is going to be put in place and I would hazard a guess that within a fortnight we will be feeling level four in all its force
0: or or maybe it, the government will have that power but things will have improved maybe. to the extent that they actually can bring the island or you know down to level three I mean that would be a good way to oh, look at it. that ahead. would be wonderful
1: that would be wonderful if that could happen, because it would mean that those hospital cases and intensive care beds yeah. were being vacated and yeah. for good reason, it would be coming down, yeah.
0: I mean, certainly anecdotally, if you want to say, or from my personal knowledge of the area I live in, in Payo O'Bachay and, and in Odefe, uh in July there were certainly the delta variant spread like wildfire through through parts of of the village i live in and stuff like that and it see, it reflected what we were seeing in the newspapers on a daily basis in terms of of levels and even really looking at um active cases in a they were going up by 20 and 30 every day for about two, two weeks and it was quite alarming but again that's leveled off and has begun to drop so, you know, I'm, I hope as a, someone who lives here, uh, just thinking of, say, my own health on a personal level, that that is a reflection of a reduction in the, the, the rate of the Delta infections. Um, also an indication, hopefully, that more people are vaccinated, less infectious. Uh, and I do think the vaccination programme is working in that
1: extent or to that extent. The, va- the vaccination programme is key and effective. The question now is how long the immunity lasts for and whether boosters are going to be needed. And politically, the booster thing is not an easy subject because there are countries around the world, many countries around the world, in fact the majority of countries around yeah. the world have not even had their vaccines yet. No so exactly. when we say cases are going down and everything is looking good, yeah, for the moment, this is not over by no, a no, long no, no, chunk. No. 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 No, and I mean, I know
0: like countries now, like Spain, like Ireland, like the UK are buying or ordering, um, you know, millions of vaccines to then go to COVAX, which is the the world vaccination program. So, I mean, I, I do think in general, countries are realizing that their own safety relies upon, you know, increased safety for other parts of the world, too. So, I mean, that's in general, that's a good trend to see.
1: It's a wonderful trend to see, in fact, it really does. Well, one can hope that it will make at least some people think and understand that we can only survive as a species if we all work together, because at the moment our planet is in trouble. Mm. And if we don't start pulling together in in, in a meaningful way, Mm. where our own selfish interests aren't the only thing that matters, if we can't do that very quickly, all of this is irrelevant. Yeah. Because we are not going to survive as a species.
0: All right. Well, that's a very glum note. <laughs> okay. First of all, I wanted to just bring in a few little things. Um, Michelle Alonso. I, you know, now if people don't know, Michelle Alonso is a, a Tinner Fenya, So she's a Tenerife based swimmer. She was the flag carrier for Spain at the opening spare, uh, ceremony for the Paralympics. And she won a gold yes, medal. She she's won another gold yesterday in the pool. And uh, she does she, do training here in the, in the tea tree, the Tenerife Top Training Centre. And it's just, I, I have, the Paralympics to me, move me in a way that the, the other Olympics don't. Because in a sense, I feel the Paralympics is so much more to do with the true meaning of sport and the taking part is what matters. Even though people want to win and they are winning. Um, people who get to the Paralympics have probably had to do so much more to get there.
1: I think there is a very good argument. I mean, there are arguments on all sides of this, but there's a very good argument for seeing the Paralympics as the real spirit of the Olympics, because there is no corporate money. There is no sense of global corporatism and celebrity lifestyle as as can That's be associated true. so much with with big sports and the money that goes in and the international olympic committee themselves almost forcing the olympic games on communities that no longer want them because they suffer because of them people traveling around the planet to go and see them by contrast the paralympics are people who have had none of the advantages of big sport of big sports men and women they have instead had to Overcome their own varying disabilities and disadvantages, and are competing for their own sense of self-esteem, value, and dignity as a human being, despite disadvantages. Mm. I can't think of anything more positive than that. And represent their country, that. and their country wants yeah. them to be there. Um, Absolutely. I,
0: and I, mean, I suppose the, the the previous Olympics, I mean, the Olympics back in at the beginning of August was dominated by issues of mental health, really. You know, by yes, the question sir. of yes. the mental health of the athletes taking part in that because of the kind of pressure they were under, because of the whole sure. celebrity aura surrounding them. And you don't get that in the Paralympics. No, you don't. I mean, and you I think not. that in itself is a reflection of the true merit of, of the of the Paralympics.
1: Absolutely. And Michelle Alonso, I mean, let if a... If what we have come to know as an able-bodied athlete Mm -hmm. has achieved what she has achieved, we would be calling her one of the greatest sports people of all time. Yeah. She's now won won gold medals in three consecutive Olympic Games because she won gold in uh, London 2012, Rio 2016, and now Tokyo gold medal in each one for the 100-meter breaststroke. She's just set a new... Well, that's right. She so did set a world record, it, and and when you watched <laughs> when you watched her swim that final fifty meters, they have a bar that they move along. It's a graphic bar It yeah. moves along the water, and and if someone's on for a world record, that bar ma- measures how close they are to it. She was always ahead of that bar as it moved. And at one point, she was so far ahead of the rest of them, they couldn't get them all in the same screen. No, no. And they lifted the bar for the last
0: 20 metres, I think, because they were saying before she touched, she has a She's new got world it. record. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: She, she couldn't go slowly enough at that point yeah. to lose the world record she yeah. had set. And, and God forbid
0: that anyone would stunning. think that, that these are easy <clears throat> sports to take part in. I mean, these Olympians train long train hard are super fit they are super dedicated to their sport yes. and to each other and to their teammates and and that should never be forgotten
1: absolutely that if, if someone else had done what she has done they would be lauded as the Adam Petey or whatever, whatever, that British swimmer, for example, you know, he he's done something similar and now he's doing Strictly Come Dancing. I mean, this, this, is how you know. cele- this is how celebrity-like big sport has become. And this is what you don't see in the Paralympics. And that is why I actually quite like them. I do. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to look it up. There's a guy who a, a,
0: an Irish runner. And he won gold again uh, in the, I think it was the 200 meters dash. He's now known as the fastest Paralympian in the world because he has four gold medals
1: for oh, the how sprint. Um,
0: yes. And I mean, but again, like you say, if someone had won gold for four Olympics in a row, their name would be much more widely known. And these people should be. But in a way, it's good that they are able to continue to train and practice yeah, their sports exactly. without that glare. Of, exactly and I mean maybe it is maybe there's a wider question we need to look at is to so why do people need to have or need to to abuse celebrities so much that they put them under such a micro, microscope and want to know everything about their lives and their thoughts and their hairstyles and their nail colors and everything um it's it's fantastic that these people are admired and hailed as heroes but they also
1: need a modicum of privacy as well Absolutely. And there have been it's been quite a big year for that because perhaps because of COVID, because people have started to realize how their mental how their own mental health is affected by being shut up, by being confined perhaps to well, children learning online, for example, Mm. or parents perhaps spending more time on social media and finding out some of the nasties that hide in the cracks there. And who knows, but people have over the last year and a half, and of course the ongoing fear of catching COVID and maybe the fear of an unknown vaccine, who knows what has what pressures have played on people, but they have become aware of their own mental health much more in the last year. Yeah. And sports people have been turning around. People like Ben Stokes getting um. Uh, a settlement today from the sun for a completely gratuitous sort of vindictive story about something that had happened to his mother before he was even born that's, that's using correct. his, using his name yeah. and his celebrity to have a, a titillating story about his own mother, 30 odd years in the past. Yeah. It's, it's unacceptable. Just, just for Naomi, a one day headline. Exactly. Naomi Osaka walking out of um, the press conference, out of, a, out of a press a major conference, which is a part of her job and she recognises it, but that which is a part of her job has now become so personal, personally invasive, that she is right to say, hang on, we need to talk about how big sport owns the sports people. They they aren't individuals anymore. They Mm. are owned by big sports, like Rollerball. I don't know whether anybody remembers this film. it affected me hugely when I saw it as a teenager. And in a way, it has never left me. And to me, big sport is like rollerball. And this is one thing the Paralympics doesn't have. It no. doesn't have the corporate interest. Yeah. And I mean, in the,
0: the same other way. thing, I, people might might pull me up on this, but I am thinking that these major sports stars, women tend to be under an added level of scrutiny from the press. Um you know, people like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, I, you know, they're saying to them, why don't you smile more often?
1: You're not going to say that. Simone, to... Simone Biles is a very good example of this, actually, because she, like Naomi Osaka, she has, well, she pulled out of yeah. the group events and she only took part in one, I think, the B in the end, yeah. and, and won a bronze, bronze medal, not the gold that everybody had... Well, the pressure must have been immense. Yeah. Oh, Biles, you know, she's unbeatable. She's absolutely yeah. unbeatable. Nobody can touch her. The Americans are bound to win the group, the team events, and she'll win gold and everything. Who, what human can cope with such expectation and pressure? And it's almost like we have now become so needy, so tribally needy, that we, we only get our own feeling of self worth through seeing our competitor mm. win. This, this is pretend and circuses. This is like gladiators. And, Even the ancient Romans the used to have... And the abuse
0: that she was yes. subjected to from some it's, corners of the press
1: who were kind of
0: this whole idea of mental be, health that, that Naomi Osaka be, had already, I under
1: Yes, they've drawn attention to it. Then they get attacked for drawing attention to the attacks.
0: They're which called are, snowflakes
1: snowflakes because they don't want to carry the hopes and aspirations of people who aren't doing anything yeah why should they understand be, the pressure they're on why should why should they be a tribal mascot for people mm. whose yeah. lives are lived vicariously through sports people paid a fortune to go and win for someone else to feel good while sitting on their sofa watching them this is not a model that yeah. has any sanity in it on any level yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the Paralympics, where people are pushing themselves, they're competing with their own bodies. Very to me, much so. This is wonderful. And Michelle Alonso, it, well, they call her the little mermaid, the little canary they mermaid. Do. They do. The, a, a S- a Sirenita canaria. Yeah. And she, when you see her swimming, you think, this person doesn't belong out of the water it is her natural environment the woman is a fish I'm I'm, I'm, I'm
0: delighted (laughs) to say from the window of my office where I'm sitting now in front of the cultural center at the bottom about two months ago they created a long mural of women who make a difference in our lives in the Canary Islands and there's about 10 or 12 women there and Michelle Alonso is one of them So, you know, she's not from Adeche, but hey, it's a bandwagon that you know I'm quite happy to jump on. So she's She's there. She's a
1: She's
0: she's already been acknowledged by the Adeche Council and, you know, the Equality Council here as a woman who is a model, a role model. uh, She is a role model. She is a she role is a model, role. And, and it is just wonderful to see the smile on her face and the joy in her face when she realised she'd broken a world record, you know. Um,
1: and, yeah, damn it, she's one of ours. <laughs> no, absolutely, she is, and she trains in a decade, and yeah. she is a Tenefenian. She is from this island, and this island has so much going for it. And it, I I tweeted a little video yesterday taken by another Canarian youngster who has blown everyone's minds over the last month because he's been on social media for a little while and he's been doing weather and he's known as Meteo Tenerife. Oh, okay. And I think everybody just knows him as Meteo. And he has quite a following and he started on Twitter recently and I've always found him absolutely brilliant. So I started following him on Twitter. He, Is 14 years old, it turns out. Diario de Visos picked up on it about a month ago. And it turns out he's just a young lad with a passion and an ability. And he is inspirational. Anyway, yesterday, it's wonderful. A 14-year-old, the future of Tenerife in science he's not being brought up to be a waiter not that there's anything wrong with being no, a waiter no, no. But this is not supposed to be the be all and end all of the aspirations of canarian youngsters absolutely not and and he is going to be a scientist this young lad fabulous and he, it is it's fabulous and yesterday he posted the most gorgeous 22nd video he was up in so on your side. Caldera, and that, it's on it's on my Twitter feed. And as I posted, look at it; it's so beautiful. What he's showing is just stunningly beautiful, and it's all we've got here. And Tenerife is, or the Canary Islands are, in what meteorologists and environmentalists say, is a sweet band around the planet. And as things get bad, and it does look like things are going to get quite bad with the climate over the next thirty or so years. We are in a zone that is likely to escape the worst. We'll, we'll be affected, but not as badly as... We're not going to be on fire like the Amazon. We are not or, going to be underwater like in Germany and Belgium. are blown like out Germany. of, the, of, of the, the earth like in, in New Orleans at the moment. Right now, on the anniversary of Katrina, they've got Ida. Yeah,
0: and, and it's, it's, like, it's pretty bad.
1: The, local, author- the lo- local authorities are saying, evacuate the area. This is unsurvivable. Mm. my nephew big, lives this... in new
0: orleans but luckily he's up oh in, my goodness up in austin texas visiting friends so phew yeah i mean but the pictures are scary
1: are, they are very very scary and what we have here is such well it's beyond price it is beyond price and i know you said earlier yeah i'm, I'm a bit glum at the moment i'm not actually i'm not glum I, i'm quite positive but i recognize i think for myself anyway that things have changed so much that we we have talked, haven't we, over the last year or so, through the COVID outbreak about the idea of things getting back to normal. There is no normal anymore. I think yeah. we have to recognise that things have changed and yeah. we are in new territory and we are gonna to have to get used to the fact that this is now normal and it's going the new normal is constant change. Exactly because things are things are going There's to no continue changing. Back to anything. No. And so with that in mind, and post Brexit and post at least third or fourth wave of COVID in Europe. I'm not going to continue with the day-to-day sort of advising on which buses are cancelled and whether <laughs> the schools are opened and okay. <laughs> whether you can go up to Teddy this weekend or not. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm certainly not going to be advising people on whether they can have a PCR test or an antigen test or whether they need a LAMP test or whether they need to fill out a passenger form. People have to travel. people have to travel and travel is an essential and necessary part of life we need to limit that to the essential is in my opinion otherwise we are speeding up a catastrophic situation for the planet and therefore mass vacational travel has to stop in my opinion it has to stop (laughs) i can't just say we have to reduce it It yes stop and i've been attacked for saying oh you you wanted your holidays when you were a young woman and now you want to stop travel. No, I don't want to stop travel. Travel's essential. Some holidays are vital. But when I hear people saying, well, you know, we've been over five times this year already. We're just looking for our six, but we think the rules have changed since we were over a month ago. Can you just tell us? No. Go home and stay there. <laughs> you shouldn't be trapped. No- I have no qualms anymore about saying to people, you do not need to be going to Poland for lunch. And I've seen adverts for this. True, good point. Go to Poland for lunch. Yeah. Go to to Bahrain for a weekend. Grow up, behave. Half the planet's underwater. The other half is on fire. Stay home, unless you have to go somewhere. And then we are maximizing our ability to carry on as a species for as long as possible. That is my goal now. And that is what I've tried to turn my website into. It'll probably go nowhere. Because I think as a species, we aren't able to be mature enough to, to do it. But that is where I am locating myself from now on. OK,
0: so you're, you take more than one step back, Janet,
1: because you're adapting your online presence and changing it slightly. I am doing I am trying to practice what I preach I'm going nowhere. I'm not traveling unless I absolutely have to. And nothing at the moment requires me to travel. Um, if I had to, I would. But. I don't want to, and it's not because of COVID, it's not because of fear, it's because I think we need to start acting responsibly. And we need to start looking after this place as well. Lately, there have been reports in the press, we've all seen them, about cars nose to tail trying to get up to Tady. The National Park can't take that sort of environmental damage. So now Mm. they are looking at ways of restricting, as the Cabildo says, as the Cabildo says today, they, they can't close the road through the National Park because it's an aerial, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's vital a road, Yeah, yeah. It's a vital road through the island. But what they can do is they can say that once you get beyond a certain part, it is just drive-through. You can't okay, stop. You can't stop. Um, so what they're looking at now is making, if you like, park and ride areas. Okay, which they did a couple it's, of years ago. Yeah, but, but making that as the norm Because now, because now the Cabildo is in charge of the National Park. It used to be a government thing and now it's the Tenerife Cabildo. And they've done quite a good job, but there is an issue with vigilance right now. But they are working with the Canarian government to try to find ways of dealing with the problems. It's another example of when you have a change of system, you actually need to find out what works. And sometimes nothing is going to go exactly as you plan every step of the way Mm. you're going to find that some things work and oh dear that doesn't so let's go back and try something else whether you're dealing with a pandemic or stopping crowds going up Teddy, this is how society functions and they are working on ways of protecting the national park and we could find in you know in the not too distant future that we can't go up anymore and just park and walk up in the national park we're going to have to get a bus up well, I think that suits me. I fully. think nothing wrong with it. Suits me fine as well. Good. Suits All right. Wrong with it.
0: I can still come and see you in about you a month. Always, you because can always. Because I have come things to do. I, have a, I actually have to make a trip, but it is an essential trip. Um, exactly. But when I'm exactly. back, I will finally make that trip up to see
1: you, Janet. We will sit at a distance sh- in the outdoors and have coffee and croissants. We'll have coffee and croissant in the pergola and maybe we'll do a podcast from there. I think that's an excellent idea. And the chickens we could can do take that. part. The chickens can take part as long as they don't walk all over my computer yet. It could be a, <laughs> a
0: quack-quack
1: cast. <laughs> <laughs> a quack cast
0: We shall try it. A pod-quack. A <laughs> oh okay we could keep people okay we'll say to people send your puns in please. <laughs> Give us we'll pick the best punny name for a, a an in presence podcast with Janet's chickens.
1: Absolutely so we will. All right so then we
0: well I <laughs> shall do that soon and I will talk to you yep. in a couple of weeks everybody as will Janet.
1: Absolutely and we will carry on doing these later in the year. We'll resume and then we'll do them regularly. Yeah,
0: again. by the second half of September, we hope to get back on stream when, yeah. you know, I'm not even going to talk about normalities, when we're back into a new rhythm
1: and uh, we will let you know how we're going. Yeah, we're back to the old markers of the year, aren't we? We don't have Carnival and Easter and Romarias anymore, but we do still have the solstices and we do still have the equinoxes. So equinox for autumn... 23rd of September or 22nd this year we, we can resume on the autumnal equinox that sounds like a great idea
0: or just or the nearest monday
1: it. yeah oh yeah be the, the nearest monday. of
0: september that sounds like a plan but we will confirm for autumn for autumn all right Janet stay safe and you and we'll talk soon bye bye everybody